Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by community pastor Ted Canaris as we conclude the series, You Plus Parenting. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Who here is ready for a little pop quiz? Now, don't be too nervous. I think you all do just fine. Here's how this is gonna work. I'm gonna put up a few pictures of a logo from some popular brands. And I wanna see if you can tell me what company they represent. Ready? Okay, let's start with an easy one. What company is this? That's right, Apple. Good job, you're off to a great start. How about this one? Yep, Amazon. Anyone else have too many packages for Mr. Bezos showing up at your door? Okay, one last one. What company is this? Yep, McDonald's. You did it. You got 100% on the world's easiest pop quiz. You can go ahead and give yourself a round of applause. Now, I'm not surprised that everyone aced this quiz. In fact, I expected it. But here's the thing that you may be surprised to hear. Most American children as young as three years old are able to identify these logos and express some kind of feeling about them. This sort of brand marketing has been so effective that the average 10-year-old has already memorized between 300 and 400 brands. Just think about that for a second. I'm pretty sure that none of us are spending time or effort to make sure that our kids have got this stuff down, right? Our kids are just sort of passively internalizing this marketing material simply by living for a couple of years in a brand-saturated culture. And when our children become adolescents, they'll begin to select from these brands as they try to construct their identities, identities that they can eat and drink and drive and play and ride and wear. You see, this is just one example of how our kids are in a constant state of passive absorption of the world around them. However, as parents, none of us want our kids just to passively absorb the culture and the messages of our world. Of course not. We want our kids to be actively formed in positive and in healthy ways. Specifically, I think a lot of us are asking, how do we form good character in our children? Now, even if you aren't a parent, my guess is that you care about this as well. Likely, all of us have kids in our lives that we care about, but even if you don't have kids that you're in close proximity with right now, we all want the children in our community to develop the kind of character that will lead them to make a positive contribution to society as they grow up. After all, they are the future adults that you're gonna live next to and work around. And so today as a church, we're gonna talk about how we can form good character in our children. The truth is that we really do want good kids. In fact, over 95% of both the general population of parents and Christian parents say that character development is important to extremely important for their kids. The other 5%, well, they just, they just scare me. But we want our kids to embody good character, right? And according to a study published in the book, What Parents Aren't Telling You, here are the 15 traits that parents most desire for their children. We want our kids to exhibit these traits with honesty, trust, and love being at the top of the list. I was actually really encouraged to see this list. I take it as proof that we really want to see our kids grow into adults who, as Paul says in Romans 12, 9, cling to what is good. 
But while that's encouraging to hear, I was disappointed to hear that while that 95% of parents believe that good character development is extremely important, 90% of those parents feel totally unsupported in that area. Now that is a massive problem. So how can we actively work to form our kids and to help them develop good character? Well, I think the best place for us to begin answering this question is by pointing out where we often go wrong. As I just outlined, 95% of us have the best intentions and desires for our kids. But the problem is, we just don't know how to do it. A common misconception is that we think developing goodness in our kids is simply about behavior modification. We try to teach them the rules and then we punish them when they break the rules. We hope that if we kind of force them to act in a certain way, they will somehow become good. And I think this seemingly straightforward approach is what most of us settle for because it isn't really clear how we could do it any differently. Now, while I totally agree that the role of a parent includes helping our children learn how to behave, the reality is that true inner goodness can't come from external behavior modification alone. Why? Well, because true goodness comes from the heart. Jesus says it this way, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. This simple teaching gets to the core of what we need to understand about forming character in our children. Good character is a byproduct of a transformed heart. The character we desire to see in our kids is an outcome of a transformed heart. And what do we know about heart transformation? Well, heart transformation happens through good relationships. And that's why we won't form good character in our kids by aiming at good character. Real heart transformation doesn't simply happen when we we try to manage behavior. However, when we aim at good relationships, it leads to inner transformation that results in good character. Jesus said that the two greatest commandments that sum up the entire teaching of Scripture are to love God and to love our neighbor. Or to put it another way, if we aim at good relationships, a loving relationship with God and people around us, good character will come as a byproduct. So, as parents... The best way to proactively form our kids is to foster an environment that will help them love God and love others. It's all about relationships. Our relationship with our kids, their relationship with God, and with others. In their book, Parenting, Andy and Sandra Stanley talk about how they made relationships their sort of parenting North Star. Their wisdom in this book is so helpful that not only do I recommend it for you all to read, I'll be drawing from it a lot throughout this talk. The Stanleys decided to make relationships their parenting North Star when Andy noticed that Sandra's family genuinely liked spending time with each other. Sandra and her two adult siblings willingly drove hours to see their parents and grandparents. Their family reunions were drama and tension free. Andy's family of origin... Not so much. It hadn't been like that, but he wanted that for his own family. 
So together they determined that they would have one goal as parents, kids who enjoy being with us and with each other, even when they no longer have to be. That was their North Star. They parented with that relationship in mind. If it was a good for the relationship, it was good. If not, it was a thou shalt not. It's all about relationships. My wife, Melissa, and I share this conviction and have been trying to raise our three boys focused on developing loving relationships with God, with us as parents, with each other as siblings, and with others. However, the way we actively foster those relationships needs to look different in the different stages of a child's life. And so today, I want to get really, really practical to support the 90% of you who feel totally unsupported in the proactive character formation of your kids. And I want to do that by spending the rest of our time talking about the ways we can actively form our kids by fostering a relational environment at each stage of their growing up years. So let's start with this. Some of the best parenting advice in scripture comes from Deuteronomy 6. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So let's talk about how we can foster a relational environment that actively forms our kids as we sit at home, as we walk along on the road, and in each stage of their childhood. So first, the early years, from birth to around the age of five. These years are full of opportunities to foster a relational environment with you and your kids. This season is one of the most logistically demanding times of parenting when your child needs support in in nearly every area of life, from diaper changing to feeding to bath time to getting dressed, literally everything. So some practical ideas for fostering a relational environment with your kids, with you, with God, and with each other during this stage is to have routines that involve connection. This could be making a few minutes for tickle time after each diaper change or or snuggles in a story before bed. This could include singing songs together or talking about the creator God who made all the things as you help them discover the world around them. And when things go wrong in this season of parenting, corrective discipline is really, really important in these early years. This is the developmental stage when kids need to be taught that there are consequences, both good and bad to their actions. This is part of forming them, and this is part of them growing and learning. In their book, Parenting, Andy and Sandra talk about how they learned from a friend how to be intentional about what they would choose to discipline and what they would not engage at all. You can run yourself ragged by trying to discipline everything in this phase. And the friend said that she decided to focus on disciplining in three specific areas when it came to disobedience, dishonesty, and disrespect. She chose those because they are relational. Each one does damage relationally. During the early years, we need to determine what is most important to discipline in your parenting, because it's these three or the ones you determine on a different list. It just needs to be intentional, and it needs to be intentional to foster relationship and to find practical ways to engage connection while you're providing all the practical care your littles need during this demanding and fun phase of discovery and development. 
After the early years of connection and discipline come the training years. And here's where things start to get a little bit more complicated. The physically demanding early years are replaced by more social, mental, and emotional challenges. During these years, we need to start explaining the why behind the what. We need to keep saying, here's what we do, but then also continue by saying, here's why we do it. And we need to anchor our explanations in giving our kids an understanding of the impact that that action has on the relevant relationship as much as possible. Let me give you a few examples from our house. In our house, we are far from perfect parents, but we really try to practice a lot of social skills with our kids so that they learn basic relational skills like like table manners and conversation patterns, greetings, looking people in the eye, shaking hands and, and not interrupting. But we always try to explain how these practices, these simple everyday practices, are really ways that we show respect and honor for other people. We don't train our kids to honor one another and invest in relationships with these simple practices at home. How could we expect them to do that in public? We have to be careful not to lay all sorts of behavioral expectations on our kids in a public setting that we haven't trained them for and explained a thousand times in our homes first. Another really important practice in our house is that when things go wrong, we try to teach our kids how to repair the relationship instead of just doling out a consequence. This stage is the perfect time to start including them in decisions about how to make things up to someone that they've hurt. Instead of just sort of declaring their penance from on high, try guiding them with questions like, what do you think would make mom feel better? What's something nice you could do for your teacher that you disrespected? Or what you said to your brother was really hurtful. How can you show your brother that you love him? Give them some time to come up with a way to repair the relationship. And I've also found it helpful to pray with them after they've cooled down a little bit and teach them how to ask God for wisdom. It's a great way to help them learn to go to God for help when they want to reestablish peace in a relationship. Again, my wife Melissa and I have three boys, so our house is usually loud and physical altercations are all too common. Now, I know this might sound crazy, but after we help our boys work through a fight or a disagreement, one of my favorite ways to help them sort of reestablish relationship is to have them look each other in the eyes and say, brothers are forever. It's a phrase we're constantly using around our house to reinforce the value of, of their relationship. And instead of sort of separating them for a timeout, which is more typical, right? We have them hug for one minute straight. I know, <laughs> I told you that it was gonna sound crazy. And I don't think they've ever made it through a full minute because what usually starts with anger and broken relationship inevitably ends with laughter at the ridiculousness of this long hug. That is just one small example of repairing relationships in the home. But it also works great for other situations as well. I recently heard another story about some parents whose boys acted terribly for a babysitter. And the next day, the mom woke up the boys, sent them straight to their desk to write an apology letter, told them to get dressed in their nice clothes and to come downstairs with all the money out of their spending jars. She took them to the grocery store where they each bought flowers for the babysitter 
And then they drove to the babysitter's office where they had to take the notes and the flowers to the woman at her desk and apologize in person. I love this story because this mom was doing an amazing job of teaching her boys how to repair the relationship. In these years between around six and 12, our role as parents is really about hands-on training our kids to prioritize relationships, relationships with God, with you, with each other if they have siblings, and with others. After the training years come the coaching years. These are the years between generally 13 and 18. During this stage, parents are often standing on the sidelines cheering their kids on. We can give some instructions and suggestions, but the goal for our kids is to learn how to make independent decisions. While we may have less options at this stage, we do have some really significant opportunities to continue fostering a relational environment. One way to build relationships in this stage is to get interested in what interests your kids. This could be sports, music, interesting topics like science, cars, fashion. It really doesn't matter what the topic is. Just find ways to engage in the things that they're engaging in to the extent that they'll let you. This is a season when you look for ways to do more connecting than correcting. It's a season to spend more time listening and asking questions and less time instructing. Now, instruction and correction will still be needed and it can even be welcome when the relationship is in good standing. And when you see things get tough for them, don't always bail them out. I know this is really hard to do, but we need to let them fail sometimes. This is a time where they need to learn to face natural consequences, and it's important to let them navigate that without rescuing them from the difficult stuff. When things go wrong, it's important to be on their team, but it's also important to let them face the consequences for their own decisions. And when things do break down, and they will, be sure to focus the consequences on repairing the relationship. Andy Stanley tells the story of how when one of his teenage sons ignored his mom's instruction to stop throwing a ball in the house and broke a window, the consequence he chose wasn't to pay for the window, but that his son had to take his mother out on a date, just the two of them, to a nice restaurant, and he had to pay for dinner. And when they walked through the door after their date, his wife's eyes communicated, mission accomplished. The relationship was restored. There was no need for any further discipline. This is really just a high-level flyover of these three stages that our kids go through as they grow up. And it's important to adjust our parenting style as they move through these stages. See, kids will move through these stages without thought or effort, but parents, we have to consciously adjust our approach to fit the stage that they're in. Each stage offers different opportunities for connecting. Each stage requires a different strategy for correction and discipline, but all of these parenting efforts are toward the same goal, fostering a relational environment. Because remember, good relationships lead to heart transformation, which produces good character. When it comes to parenting, we aren't going to get it right all the time. In fact, parenting experts and psychologists suggest getting it close to right about 70% of the time is wildly successful. 
when we get it wrong or when our kids get it wrong, they'll remember how we responded. In fact, I believe it is the relational repair work that we do as parents with our kids that may form them the most. My favorite Bible verse to reflect on when parenting gets hard or messy is found in 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, love covers a multitude of sin. Remember, love is what God desires most from you and from your kids. And love is what will produce true character in your kids. When you think about it, we really don't just want obedient kids. We want so much more for our kids. We want kids who are so loved at their core that, that they live a life of love that aligns with God's kingdom of peace. We want our kids to experience the full you plus life that is connected to God, to the church and, and to the world. And remember, your own love for God and others is the greatest parenting legacy that you can provide. And it's the foundation for your kids to live their own lives of love. So let's proactively form our kids by parenting with relationship in mind as we connect, as we discipline, as we train and coach them to be people who genuinely love God and genuinely love others. God will do the work of heart transformation in their lives and good character, well, that will naturally flow from them and they will become disciples who flourish in the U plus life. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you'd like to take a next step, head to communitychristian.info. If you'd like prayer, please text the word prayer to 331-226-1686 and a member of our prayer team will reach out to you. To give financially to community, head to givenow.cc. Thanks for listening to the Community Online Podcast.